1: is now on ESPN Radio.
0: Well, I don't know what they actually were playing at the Spectrum on Saturday night in Logan, Utah, but uh, that one probably would have got them going. But they didn't need much more juice. If you seen any of the <laughs> the highlights, man, I, I don't know how it's somehow underrated still, but. The Herd and the way they bring it in Logan, Utah for Utah State basketball games. That is one of the best atmospheres in college basketball. And the Mountain West has several of them right now, which is pretty darn cool. But the Utah State Aggies are certainly uh, a team to watch. It's Noah's Dow, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Speaking of the Aggies, a former Grizz head coach, Stu Morrill, was the guy who really first helped Utah State launch international prominence. After he left Montana, spent a couple years at Colorado State, and then spent a 17-year stint at Utah State. Won over uh, 400 games. Went to the NCAA tournament pretty much perennially. And uh, on Saturday, an outstanding honor for Coach Morrill. They dedicated the court to him. Stu Moral court, forevermore there at the spectrum. So we'll hear about that honor here in just a minute. It's Nuanas now. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, we went around the big scan women's hoops with Krista Redpath. All of that on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by Schulte Law. Visit jschulteilaw.com, the M Store, where they're all grizz all the time, and the MSU Bookstore. Visit msubookstore.org. Speaking of podcasts, we've talked about this uh, before, but it's been a little while because my man has been... Just grinding on the editing of this thing. And uh, I'm so proud of you for doing it. And I'm also happy for you that, that the editing part is over. For those that don't know though, our process here, we use this software called Adobe Audition. It is unbelievable, cool software. It's also. Black and white on a screen, and when you look at it for multiple hours at a time, your eyes start to go crossed. I know me, Andrew, and Jeff have all experienced this, where you're like, oh my gosh, my eyes are bleeding. What What is happening right now? But Andrew put together this wonderful podcast, a commemoration of the 1994 University of Montana women's soccer team, which was the inaugural team, and uh, certainly uh, an awesome story. And he did it in a narrative podcast form, and it's now complete. The third and final episode is uh, out and available on all your podcast hosting platforms. So good job. How's your eyes feeling?
2: It was a (laughs) rough—the last two nights of editing for something like this, where you just have—you know, I've got 25 bits of sound between my voiceover and all of the little bits I've cut out of interviews that I've been doing for the last six months. Just sitting there on the screen, you're right. It just—it drives you crazy. I was here till about— 1015 last night just getting the final cut all together but i think it sounds really great i'm really happy with it uh i'm also kind of really happy it's over but i'm happy (laughs) it's out there in the world too so well great job finishing
0: it because when you're in these sorts of projects sometimes you get to this point where you're like well i'm the one controlling this so if i just didn't finish it maybe nobody would notice or care and then you're like well but then i did all this work so i i can't do that so you have to just forge through so uh good job by doing that um Tell people about this third this third episode though that kind of puts a, a bow on this uh, this whole series. We'll play some for you. By the way, a little later on this week and probably next week as well, but just tell people about the the latest that just dropped.
2: Yeah, this was this was a fun one to do. I mean, the first episode was all about what leads up to just the founding of a team, a, a new team and what that had to take and looking for a coach and introducing all the characters. The second episode is about the season itself and the third episode that just came out is about the legacy that this team left and it left a huge legacy of course on the Grizz soccer program. Yep. Uh, and I you know all the coaches that came after Betsy Dirksen talk about, you know, we couldn't have done this without the foundation that this team set. And what I also thought was really interesting A team, being on a team and having an experience like this and going through this, it also leaves a legacy on the lives of the players who experienced it, the players and coaches who experienced it. And so you're able, you know, you're able to hear players from that team talk about. Being on this team and going through this experience, like it was, it was really difficult. We're starting a team from scratch. We are all coming. None of us know each other. We're all coming together. We're playing out at Fort Missoula. There's no fans at the games. Whatever. All of that adversity. Soccer had not
0: nearly gained its, the popularity that it has now either.
2: No, and and that's a huge story of this podcast. I right. mean, in 1994, the, the whole impetus for this podcast came out of sort of that era. And Betsy Dirksen, who was the first ever coach at the University of Montana, like hearing about her story and playing at Boston College and being one of the best players in the country and then having nowhere to play. Because there's nowhere to play, right. Because there's just no women's professional soccer anywhere. Uh, And then, you know, her turning that sort of adversity into this great triumph of founding this team at the University of Montana, and then the growth that it's seen over the 30 years since then. But going through that adversity and hearing these women talk about that had a profound effect on my life, and that's why I'm in the position that I am in today, and, you know, the three greatest accomplishments of my life. were getting married, having kids, and playing college soccer, and, and, you know, we're all still supporting each other, and... Um, you know, sports allowing women, giving women a, a chance to build strength and community and all of that. There's a whole bunch of different threads in this podcast. And I, I hope the third episode sort of tied them all together, sort of looking back at that team now from 30 years uh, in the future.
0: I think it says a lot about both the University of Montana and the city of Missoula, the community here in the Garden City, that we've had multiple pioneering programs in the world of women's sports that have really helped knock down doors and, and provide extra opportunities and um, had a huge influence, not only on the state level, but on a national level as well. So go check out the podcast trailblazers. It's under the soccer in snow and smoke podcast channel, and you can find it on all your various podcast hosting platforms. We'll play a, an excerpt or two here in the next week or so, but good job by our Andrew Houghton for putting this thing together and for all the great work on that. So I was down at ESPN Radio. Our ESPN Roundtable presented each week by Paradise Falls of Missoula, Paradise Falls, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Great place to gather with family and friends alike. They can stream any and all the high school actions. If you want to watch any of the games, a bunch of district tournaments coming up at the B and C levels. They also have all the AA and A action there as well. Whatever game, they can turn it on for you on one of their 20-plus big-screen TVs. Check out Paradise Falls. On the south side of Missoula, 3621 Brook Street, Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hot
3: spot. Well,
0: it's time now for our ESPN Roundtable, our long form interview for the week, each week here on Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio, Statewide Television, SWX Montana TV, and all around the earth on the ESPN MT app. And joined now by an old friend, but a guy we haven't heard from for a little while. An all-time great Grizz basketball coach who then went on to great success with his time at Colorado State and Utah State. Recently had the court there at the Spectrum in Logan named after him. It's Stu Morrill here on Nuanas Now.
3: Coach, haven't heard from you in a while. How you been? Where you at in the world? (laughs) Well, we're still living in Colorado, Colter. uh, This is uh, home now. As far as having uh, three of our four kids here and 10 of our 12 grandkids, uh, it's made a lot of sense for us to move back here.
0: Well, very cool, and uh, it was fun to see. I thought of you on on Saturday night, of course, because there was the the dedication to the court there uh, at Utah State. I've been watching a ton of Utah State men's basketball this year. I mean, it's regionally close to Montana. I always enjoyed the Mountain West, but we also have a Montanan now there uh, coaching in Danny Sprinkle from Helena. So just take us through the evening on Saturday night. I guess, first of all, when did you first learn that you were getting this honor and, and what an honor it is to have a court named after you?
3: yeah it's kind of surreal. I mean, they contacted me about two months ago and uh, said that they they had the donations necessary for the project to work. Uh, they raised over two million dollars in in my name, which is uh hard to imagine and and the money is gonna go towards basketball to basketball, I should say and uh, and that's super. that's just. Uh, makes me feel great that they can do that in my name and 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 get the funds to help help basketball uh, further further their cause um you know it, it was just a great weekend they had a court unveiling and a dinner on friday night uh, uh about seventy or so players came back uh you know and and we had lunch with the players on on saturday and um you know, press conferences and, and all kinds of things going on, uh, radio shows and so forth. And, and then uh, dinner, They, I'm a Utah kid originally, so they invited, or I should say I got to invite, uh, you know, around 80 people to, to have dinner on Utah State before the game. Uh, like I say, they really did it up right. And then the game, of course, we were in a suite up top, and players were there. It was 10,240 sold out, a great game. Um, I also watched practice while I was there, and and I've been really impressed with Danny Sprinkle. Uh, I've talked to him, of course, a few times, and and watched uh, every game that I possibly can of Utah State's, and uh, he's just doing an excellent job. They play hard-nosed, good basketball, and you know, anymore, there's so much uh, three-point shooting going on in college basketball. That's kind of nice to see, a, you know, an old-school guy pound the ball inside and. Still take some threes, but uh, develop their inside game and play hard defensively. And um, Saw it all firsthand by watching practice. Really impressed with what he does.
0: No doubt. You can definitely tell there is an old-school flavor there. Stu Morrill joining us here on Nuanes now. When it comes to... The Aggies, I mean, first of all, that was a great game on, on Saturday like you said, and Utah State played awesome, and uh, they assumed first place in the Mountain West by drilling Boise State pretty good. Both those teams were tied for first coming into that game. So, um, I mean, you mentioned just the job that Coach Sprinkle's doing, but you must that uh, must give you a lot of pride knowing that Utah State is uh, still a contender uh, here. And, I mean, in the top 25, already 20 wins here uh, this season. So what do you thought of just the, their body of work so far this year?
3: Oh, it's been excellent. You know, it's uh, it's always fun to to see a place where you spent 17 years uh, have continued success. And as I've told people for a long time, Utah State was was a good pro- program before I ever got there, and and certainly since I've left, they've been good. And like to think we were good while we were there. And uh, it's just a really good basketball school. The the students are big time in terms of all their antics and the things they do to make it a hard place to play. And the, the crowd is the, the locals come out and it's a college town. And, you know, what was interesting is Boise state assistant coach uh, was my assistant for a long totally. time in Logan. And yeah, Tim Duryea, um followed me as head coach. And then after three years went to Boise state as an assistant. And uh, so that added a little flavor to it. One thing that's, kind of ironic uh you probably didn't realize this neither did I until someone pointed it out but it was a year ago to the day uh, my my ceremony in court uh, naming was a year ago to the day uh, as Robin Selvig's was uh, so exactly one year ago a very close personal friend of mine had the court uh, honored in his name at montana and uh you know like I say a year later uh, they're doing mine in Logan and Pretty ironic that it was exactly to the day. Well, that's awesome. I was going
0: to ask you about that because Coach Selvig, of course, did have that wonderful honor bestowed upon him, but that makes it even more cool that it was uh, just exactly 365 days apart. So, uh, I mean, take us back to, to those times then because I think it's so fascinating to analyze this coaching tree. It all stems back to to Judd Heathcote and, of course, Coach Selvig. He played uh, there for Coach Coat and then coached the Lady Grizz for 38 exceptional years. And, and there's sort of so many different crossovers within this coaching tree. Um, so, I mean, how much do you think that laid the foundation that, that led you uh, to this great honor that you had on Saturday?
3: Oh, no question. Uh, my time at Montana was extremely special. Uh, Robin and I arrived the same year. Mike Montgomery was the head men's coach and, and in charge of uh, director of basketball uh, they called the position when they moved Mike up to head coach. When Brandenburg left and went to Wyoming, and he actually got to select the women's coach, uh, which you know is, would not certainly happen today, and probably shouldn't happen. But in those days, things were different, and and so Mike brought Robin in as the women's coach, and of course, our families uh, grew, and and uh, as we all stayed in Montana for a period of time, and. And uh, I was fortunate to to work for Mike and and all of the things all that that happened in the coaching trees, starting with Judd, and Montana just provided a real base for me because you had you had to do it all. You know there was everything involved in the job with the media in town and you know all the, it being a college town as well and just happened to learn how to run a college basketball program. I was very fortunate to start my head coaching career at Montana. And, you know, we all felt that it was judge program and we were just occupying the seat. And so it was it was a little funny when Danny Sprinkle told me the other night when I was walking by, he says, well, sit down in your seat. <laughs> and uh, I said, it's your seat now, partner. But uh, what, what a great guy he is. Just a true Montana type guy, down to earth, uh, no pretensions. You know, one of those guys you really like.
0: Stu Morrill joining us here on Nuana's Now ESPN Radio. It's our ESPN Roundtable, proudly presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. It's located there, 3621 Brook Street. They're serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner, any and every game you might want, including, including all the high school sports from across the state. They can stream it there at Paradise Falls, so go check them out. Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot. Coach Morrill recently uh, had the great honor of having the court at Utah State named after him. And I, I want to keep talking about the the old times because I, I do think it's so interesting too. You, know, you mentioned sort of like the 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 coaching cradle and and you know the stability and the the foundation that it laid for you guys in those early years. What is it though that made it made every guy that was sort of part of that time period have so much success even after they sort of left the the coaching cradle here in Missoula?
3: You know, I think uh, like I was saying, Montana just trains you to have a chance to be successful coaching a, a college basketball team and running a division one program, uh just un uh, you know, not unimaginable uh organization and things you learned and uh you know recruiting and I mean everything that goes into the job. You know, you do speaking, you run camps, you you do it all and but on the court, uh everything was kind of passed down on how we were going to play, and and uh, you know how hard we were going to play, and what was expected, and from coach to coach, I think that just continued on, and and Montana was so great about elevating assistant coaches and giving them an opportunity when a lot of times other schools were going outside to to bring someone in and that, that wasn't familiar maybe with what it took to be successful, and uh, we take great pride in the fact that a bunch of us. Got to got to be at Montana and and uh, were able to move on and take other jobs and you know I, and we also greatly appreciate Robin Selby staying there throughout his career you know if you're gonna have a court named after you you need to be somewhere for a while and Robin was that way uh, obviously with I think he said, 37 38 years and and fortunately I stayed 17 at Utah State and and they decided to do the same thing so uh, just a special honor. You mentioned it too. It seems like there are parallels
0: between uh, with it within your your coaching stops, right? Missoula, Fort Collins, uh, uh, Logan, all sort of college centric type towns and and great support, great fan bases. So, do, do you think that was a carryover as well throughout your career?
3: Well, you know, people uh, oftentimes didn't understand that you know back in the day, and probably still today, uh, we had uh, three network TV channels in town they were waiting after practice every day to talk to you we we were covered strongly by the media we had radio going on we had we had uh, all the things that that you have to deal with sometimes on a higher level at different schools maybe as far as national tv or whatever it might be but it's the same concept that you have to learn to deal with the media now they've added of course social media which is a whole nother can of worms and we've got I mean, we could talk forever about the NIL and the portal and the the way college basketball has changed. But, you know, uh, as you sit here in Colorado as a retired coach, you just look back and feel grateful for what you got to be a part of in the Montana coaching tree and the stops I made along the way.
0: Yeah, it's so funny. The last time we had Coach Selvig on, on the show, I said, hey, do you do you miss it? Do you miss coaching? And he's like, well, I miss the competition. I do not. I do not want to be a part of what's going on right now, though. He said, I wouldn't be able to figure out any of that stuff. So, um, I mean, that's part of the, the story right now at Utah State, though, right? I mean, Coach Sprinkle comes in there and uh, everybody... From the team had had basically moved on. They returned no points, no rebounds, no assists from last year, and and here they are, twenty and two, and in the top twenty. So he certainly figured out a way to navigate it all. But I, I guess two part question: What do you think of just the state of affairs in college hoops, and what do you think of the way that specifically Coach Sprinkle's been able to navigate it?
3: You know, I, I I'm with Robin. I'm not sure I could I could coach nowadays. Uh, you know, I was kidding our players at Utah state a couple of days ago at the luncheon and said, you know, uh, if we had had, uh, the NIL where players can get paid, uh, who do you think would be lined up at my door? And, you know, they were looking around laughing, pointing at each other. And, and I also said, and and if we'd had the portal, half of you wouldn't be sitting here right now. Cause you'd have got mad at me and laughed." Right. You know? So, uh, you know, what Danny did is just unbelievable to come in and, and, Get that many players to come be a part of Utah State, uh, and you know you got to be good as he is to get make that happen. You also got to be lucky that some of those kids were better than people thought, and they're really playing well. And then of course he's coaching the heck out of them, so it's a good combo. But it's a different landscaping college basketball, and you know I, I you would have the constant fear if you bark to the kid to try and get him to. Play harder or execute better or whatever it might be that he might just up and quit that day and, and get in the portal. So it's yeah, I, I'm with Robin. I don't think I would be much good in today's world.
0: Well, yeah, you mentioned the big guy though that uh, that Utah State has, Great Osabar, who came to uh, Utah State from Montana State, and, and you could just tell watching the young man. I, I can tell you this, from, from covering him his first two years in the Big Sky Conference to now watching him there uh, in Logan, you could tell he's just a, an absolute gym rat because he's just gotten so much better. But I think that's another key part that maybe gets lost uh, in this day and age is, is people are trying to re-recruit their roster every year. They're trying to bring in the hired gun, the guy that can help you right away, rather than, hey, maybe we can have a guy within our program that can take a huge step, can become a, a conference-type MVP. And I think he's a great example of that.
3: No question. And and that is not happening much because what happens is if a a kid's pretty good as a freshman or even a sophomore, oftentimes they are poached. Yep. Uh, You know, bigger schools are are recruiting from smaller schools, and it's just a little bit of a free-for-all. And, you know, that kid is a really good player and seems like a quality young man. It's. It was interesting. I, I got to meet every kid, and they came up and looked you in the eye and shook your hand and told you where they were from, and and uh, just a, a impressive group of kids that have been taught by the coaching staff how to act when someone is visiting. <laughs> you know, that doesn't happen all the time. So, uh, But he's a big, as you know, a big, strong-bodied guy with great hands. Reminds me of a kid I had, Sean Daniels, who was actually in for the all the festivities, and um, you know Osabar is—he's—he's he's special. You know, I think he's going to make a lot of money playing basketball someday.
0: Well, and with all the the crazy transitions and all these different things that have, have gone on throughout college sports these last couple of years, I will say it's been awesome to see this the, sort of the stabilization of the Mountain West. I know there's a lot of comings and goings for sure, but it's a it's a league right now with. A bunch of really good coaches, a bunch of really good players, and they're having an outstanding year cumulatively, right? I mean, you look at a team like Wyoming, who's perennially pretty darn good. They're trying to fight their way even into the the mix of the middle part of the standings because you got San Diego State, you got Nevada, you got New Mexico. Of course, you got Utah State, Boise State, still right there in the mix as well. And I mean, tonight there's a couple huge ones between uh, with four of those teams I just named playing each other. So, uh, what do you think of just the, the state of the league? It's uh, it's as as competitive as it's ever been.
3: I think it's awesome. You know, I think uh, everybody's projecting as many as five teams in the a tournament, and the Pac-12, uh, which has always been considered a superior league, is potentially looking at two or three. So, <laughs> I think that says a lot for the Mountain West. And it's you know, with the Pac-12 dissolving and all this chaos in conferences and and people you know joining different leagues. It, it's nice to see out west that we at least have a, a stable, really good conference in the in the Mountain West. And, you know, there's some other good leagues in the west as well. I've always loved the Big Sky, of course, because I played in the Big Sky when I was at Gonzaga and coached in the Big Sky, and I uh, think highly, highly of that league. But, but you know, the, who knows what's gonna happen in the Mountain West. I hope they don't beat each other, other up so bad that, you know, that it reduces the number of teams going to the NC2A tournament but i don't think it will cuz they've got very high uh power ratings because of their preseason wins
0: that's yeah, it's so true. The net rankings are definitely helping out the Mountain West right now. Stu Morrill, former Montana, Colorado State, and Utah State head coach here uh, on Nuana's now ESPN Radio. He just had the court named after him at Utah State, and now we're uh, just talking our way around the wide world of college basketball because why not? Uh, last couple things for you, Coach, as we sit here in Montana, big rivalry game coming down the pipe the second time around for the uh, Grizz and the Bobcats so far this year. Grizz got a big one. Uh, In Bozeman earlier this year, and now the Cats uh, coming to the Garden City on Saturday night. Uh, I'm not sure how close you still follow it, but if you do follow it at all, do you have any takes or any thoughts on this game coming up on Saturday?
3: Oh, I follow it. I, you know, that's that's what ESPN Plus is all about. You can (laughs) pick up uh, a lot a lot of different games, and uh, I love to to watch uh, Travis's team play. Um, and, you know, I remember about that rivalry. If you're fortunate enough to win on their court, uh, it was just awesome, especially when it was the first time you played because you now have a chance to sweep by playing at home. And that's a, a fun position to be in. Uh, you know, the nature of that rivalry is is about as intense as it gets. You know, way back when they used to say I, every I, – Two, one out of every two men, women, and children watched that game on TV. I don't know if that's still that high, but it, it was—you uh, know—it was a high-pressure game for everybody involved, and, and a high-intensity game. And I have some great memories of those games, uh, and you know, I've shared them before. But one, when Larry Krystofiewicz was being recruited by Montana, we were playing in Bozeman, and he was at the game, sitting on their bench because he was on his official visit to Montana state. And when Derek Pope dunked the basketball, who was a good friend of Larry's and we were uh, ahead in that game, ended up winning, he jumped up and clapped and he was on their bench. (laughs) Amazing. So that was, yeah, that was pretty, pretty cool. I said to Mike at the time, like I said, I was an assistant. I said, you know, we might get that kid because he kind of, he kind of likes him. So, uh, and we did. And, You know, and another memory, when I was head coach, the game came right down to the wire in Bozeman, and uh, a few seconds left, and we were pressing. uh, We were either tied or down one. I don't remember, but Tinkle, Wayne Tinkle, of course, former coach, uh, played for me and asked me, he says, you want me on the ball or off? We did both, and I said, get up on the ball, and sure enough, uh, they threw the ball in, and he stuck his big paw out and stole it and laid it up, and we won. (laughs) So it was... Uh, you know, you remember special moments like that and you know, they they had their wins as well, but we had you know, we were fortunate to win more than our share of those games and, and it is the rivalry week is a real thing and a special thing and a fun part of college basketball.
0: Well, no doubt about it. And another guy that's part of the coaching tree, another guy that played for you guys there at Montana, is now the head coach for the Grizzlies and Travis Takir. So uh, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, what have you thought of just the job Coach Takir's done, especially uh, against the Cats? I think after this last win, uh, 12-3 and all-time against Montana State. So he certainly had a big-time upper hand against the rival uh, during his time leading his alma mater.
3: That is uh, awesome, and, and that is about as good as you could possibly hope for. Certainly, uh, you know, Selvig hardly ever lost to him, but that's a whole other world. So, uh, what Travis is doing there is is awesome. And the fact, what's he been there nine years now? Something like that. This is his tenth season. Um, tenth season, yeah. That that time flies. I mean, that's hard for for me to believe. But I firmly believe he's he's a perfect guy for that job. Uh, done a great job. People sometimes when you stay too long, people don't appreciate you like they. They should, and I don't think that's the case in Montana. I think they appreciate the heck out of Travis, and I hope he stays till he retires. He's doing a great job.
0: Stu Morrill, former Grizz head coach, former Utah State head coach. Fun talking college hoops with you, Stu. Thanks so much for being here, man. Appreciate all the time today, and congratulations again. A great honor for you and your family. Uh, Thanks for sharing some memories with us.
3: You bet, Colter. I enjoyed it. Take care.
1: All right, Stu Morrill there on the ESPN Roundtable. Jeff Safford here with you, taking you out here in hour number two here in Juana's now, ESPN Radio. Great stuff. College hoops, a big topic here today so far. Hour number one with Krista Redpath and Coulter Nuanas talking through the big sky and women's hoops. And our ESPN Roundtable brought to you by Paradise Falls here in hour number two. Also, thanks to... Florence Coffee Company. We've been shouting out FloCo throughout 2024, opening up a couple of new locations, opening late. We've been giving away some gift cards to Florence Coffee Company, $10 gift cards to check out. You no, know, I recently had a London Fog from there. Tommy Evans is a big Americano guy, he likes some more espresso-type stuff. Not sure what... Andrew Houghton is about. I know Colton Nuana's likes the Lotus energy drinks from FloCo, so if you want some FloCo, text us right now, 406-888-1029. That's 406-888-1029 for your chance to get some Florence Coffee Company. Segment number five on your way on a Wednesday, Wing It Wednesday, here on Nuana's Now, chance in the next segment to win some wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern. We'll talk a little bit through the Montana Grizzly Hockey tournament. They just, Conference Tournament. They just concluded. Talk about the upcoming Western Regional Tournament and the postseason scenario that surrounds that from a couple teams from around the state of Montana. Montana State, University of Providence. We'll talk about the scenario for the Montana Grizzlies in the Western Regional Tournament, interestingly enough, taking place next week in Logan, Utah. And we were in Logan, myself, Talking Utah State basketball, Danny Sprinkle, and of Coach course moral being a big conversation. So interestingly enough, I was just down in Logan myself days ago, checking out some conference hockey. Utah State actually won the conference tournament last weekend, so I guess a good time to be an Aggie. We'll talk some Grizz hockey, sneak in some NHL talk. Had back-to-back nights of Seattle Kraken hockey, wild night in the NHL also. Take a look at some Pro NHL stuff as well. Talk some Grizz hockey and more. Segment five on the way. Nuan is now ESPN Missoula.
0: Visit jshultylaw.com. Hey! is now on 102.9
3: ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television.
1: Nuwan is now. Jeff Safford and Andrew Houghton here with you here in hour number two. Glad you're here on a Wing It Wednesday. Typically, in this five o'clock hour, Wing It Wednesday, bring on the head coach of the Montana Grizzlies, Mike Anderson, to talk some Grizz hockey. But with some interesting postseason scenarios featuring the Grizzlies, figured we'd put that conversation on hold and maybe visit with him next week to give you a end-of-season recap on what transpired in the 23 and 24 regular season with the Montana Grizzlies, thinking about the Western Regional Unfortunately for Montana, an interesting scenario here, they will not be a part of the Western Regional Tournament, and their season came to an end last weekend at the Mountain West Collegiate Hockey League Conference Tournament with two losses. Began the tournament on Thursday against tournament host Utah State, who was actually seated below the Grizzlies in that tournament. Excuse me, um, check that. It was Utah State ranked just ahead of Montana, the fifth seed, Where the Grizzlies fourth were the homestanding Aggies. And the Aggies, surprisingly, actually after beating the Grizzlies, ran through the rest of the tournament. Defeating University of Providence, the top five ranked team in the West. And also, just taking out the Treasure State as it stood. Took out the mighty Montana State Bobcats, who had lost only two games all season. And had won every game they had played in the calendar year 2024. Actually, the last game. That Montana State had lost before their contest in the tournament final on Saturday out there in Logan, Utah at the Eccles Ice Center. Last loss was in the month of December to Montana. So Montana State takes an L and Utah State moves on to the conference championship. The Grizzlies would play another game in consolation action to Boise State, another top 10 ranked team in the western region, and they fell to the Broncos as well. And it was two tough losses for Montana, 5 to 1 to Utah State and 6 to 1 to Boise State. And two tough losses for Montana, A, facing two tough opponents, and B, Montana so shorthanded, missing one of their top centers, if not their best center in Max Toila, miss, missing their best right winger in Case Balk, missing their starting goaltender in Nash Wilson, missing the team selected team MVP in the game, their last game, Javi Hamlin. A lot of guys missing from Montana down the stretch. And despite the two losses, Montana felt that they were in a good position to still make it to the regional tournament. How the regionals play out. Now we'll bring up the top two ranked teams in the western region that are now moving on to the regional tournament. Or I should say bypassing the regional tournament. The top two teams in the western region automatically advanced to the 16 team national championship tournament. So we have surely some folks listening to us from the other side of the divide and watching us on the ESPN MT app SWX Montana from out there in Bozeman thinking about the Bobcats, mentioned they lost to Utah State in the in the conference tournament, but despite the loss, the Bobcats still the number one ranked team in the Western region as they have been throughout the most of the season. The last rankings that came out yesterday, Bobcats at number one, Weaver State at number two. So those two teams automatically advance to the National Championship Tournament in the ACHA, which takes place in March in the St. Louis region around the St. Louis Blues practice facilities. So that's pretty cool. And the number three-ranked team in the West, despite falling in the semifinals, are the Argos of the University of Providence, So they are the top-ranked team of the Western Region tournament that is taking place with Weber State and Montana State having already advanced. Now, here's where the University of Montana plays in and where things get interesting. Is ranked teams 3 through 14 are typically the ones then that fall into the regional tournament, and Montana does fall in the top 14 in the final rankings. However, a team ranked below the 15th spot, also won their conference tournament. And that was the University of Utah that was ranked at the 19th spot in the ACHA Western Region. But with them winning their conference tournament, they received an at-large or an automatic bid, so to speak. And with the Grizzlies, in theory, being a team that would have advanced to the tournament as an at-large, they were the proverbial team that got knocked off the it, so to speak, and they're the team that is just in a tough position just being the odd man out. So despite being a team that in theory qualified to be in the top 15, they were knocked off the top because of a team that was ranked lower than them, but they advanced to the tournament, deservedly so. This isn't a knock on the University of Utah, but they advanced to the tournament because they won the Pacific Athletic Conference Tournament, which was just down the road on I-90 west of us out in Sheeney, Washington, at Eastern Washington University. So congratulations to the University of Utah going to the Western Regional Tournament, the University of Montana. Despite falling in the top 14 of the West, their season comes to a close. A little bit of a, not even a little bit, surely a tough pill to swallow for Mike Anderson, the players, the coaching staff, and Looking at messages from earlier this week, the team was preparing, assuming that they would be gearing up for the Western Regional Tournament next week, and Logan talking about practice times, ice times, training sessions, and just got the message last, or last couple hours before the show from Mike Anderson telling the news that this was the scenario and just a tough deal for the Montana Grizzly Hockey Program. Surely still a very successful year for Montana. And looking at the top 10 14 teams in the Western region, Grizzlies have a win against a lot of these teams. University of Providence, Montana State, Utah State, Boise State, University of Denver, a lot of teams that the Grizzlies got by in the 23 and 23 and 24 calendar year. And the man behind the glass, Andrew Houghton, was a guy that produced a lot of the Grizz hockey games this year, spending a lot of those nights in the Glacier Ice Rink with the packed crowds, and he didn't come on the road with the team, but surely saw a lot of stuff happening with Grizz Hockey this season. So, Andrew, what will you remember from this season of Montana Grizzly Hockey and your experiences up there in the scissor lift with me and the New Yorker, Steve Healy? Great question, Jeff. Yeah, appreciate you bringing me on here. Uh,
2: Great experience, and I think I was lucky being able to go to so many of the home games, and not having to go on the road with you guys because I think <laughs> I think I got the best of it this year because just the the atmosphere at Glacier Ice Rink is really spectacular. And that's what I'll sort of remember the most. I mean the the opening of some of those games, uh, I'm remembering like the first responder or the the military appreciation night against Providence, right? Just the the atmosphere in the big be- in the building at the beginning and throughout those games is really something special. It's not like you know, I've been to a, a lot of great basketball games. It's sort of the same same kind of thing, but even more like intimate. Environment because it's it's not a huge rink, but everybody in there really cares about it. So that was uh, it was cool to to sort of get more into Grizz hockey and do some more producing this year.
1: Cool stuff there, and appreciate Andrew Houghton's help on all the Grizz hockey broadcasts throughout the 23 and 24 season. And I would say once again, thank you to city of Missoula and everything that they were able to provide for Montana Grizzly hockey games. The atmosphere for Grizz hockey made it fun for me to be able to be on the mic night in and night out cheering on the Montana Grizzlies as they tried to put the puck in the back of the net. And clearly with Marcus Baxter, we had him on last week. The new standing head coach of the Montana Grizzlies, Mike Anderson, current head coach, will still be involved with the program in a different capacity, but still staying involved. I think still carrying the torch. I see a lot of green grass and high tides ahead for the Montana Grizzly Hockey program as they traverse now into the off season and got a spot running right now. If you're thinking about getting involved in Montana Grizzly Hockey, getting in and all the fun, they have a prospect camp coming up in the month of May. You can get a chance to meet current players, coaches, believe even a sort of a trip is involved there as well. Maybe going down the rapids doing some, I believe they have a whitewater rafting trip planned in amongst to that. So Grizz hockey, they'll be forging ahead into the future and surely look to help forward to seeing more packed crowds inside of the glacier ice rink. In terms of some more hockey stuff going on last night, a wild night in hockey, me and Andrew talking about it off air. he, Pointed out all the highest goal scoring outfits. I mentioned the game I watched last night, a wild one between the Avalanche and the Capitals. Alex Ovechkin scored a goal, but could not get the Avalanche, Capitals past the Avalanche six to three winners last night. But the big story I felt, my goodness, eight to four winners were the Oilers of Edmonton, uh, Alberta, a getting a win over Detroit last night. Connor McDavid. Six assists in one game. In hockey, that's crazy. And I know hockey gets put down the rung, so to speak, in terms of the national spotlight. But hockey live, if you were in the Glacier Ice Rink, surely you got a chance to check out how wild that sport is live. And if you're going to check out any NHL player, I'm sure Mike Anderson would say the same thing. If you're kind of new to the game of hockey, just find a game where you can check out the Edmonton Oilers. And just watch Connor McDavid. He's one of those guys, in my mind, that doesn't matter what sport you're a fan of. You can just turn on this guy playing hockey, and it's like, whoa. The amount of athletic ability this guy has, and just the precision. I think that's been the biggest thing I've found in the game of hockey, and now covering it for the last couple of years, is seeing how precise these guys are, in their ability to put the puck right where they want to. And... Connor McDavid is the epitome of that. Not just his ability to put the puck in the back of the net, but as he showed last night, his ability to dish out pucks and his unselfish nature of playing hockey six assists for Connor McDavid. Kind of a quiet hockey night tonight. Just a couple of games on the docket. I'll probably be checking out the Florida Panthers game later on tonight. But we'll surely have more Kraken hockey for you as well this being what Montana's only home for Seattle Kraken hockey actually had back-to-back nights of the Seattle Kraken the next couple of nights playing out on the East Coast. Got a shootout win last night to the Kraken over the New Jersey Devils, 2-1. to So the Kraken just a smidge over five hundred. Maybe they can make another push here in the second half of the season, similar to what we saw last year from Seattle. So they look to make another run towards the Stanley Cup playoffs. Last segment coming up for you, Get to some wings. If you want some wings from the Desperado, text us 406-888-1029, 406-888-1029 for your chance to win some wings from the Despo. Last segment on the way after this.
3: This is Newanas Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula.
1: Nuana's Now, ESPN Radio Missoula, SWX Montana, as well as the ESPN MT app. Heard a lot from Colter Nuwana's Krista, Krista Redpath in our number one. Around the Big Sky and Women's Hoos at the ESPN Roundtable. Hour number two, talk some Grizz Hockey. A smidge on the NHL as well there at the tail end of today's show. If you missed any of it, you can catch it in the Nuanas Now podcast brought to you by the M-Store, the MSU Bookstore, as well as Schulte Law, sponsors of the Nuwana's Now podcast. Got a fun show lined up for you tomorrow as well. We'll hear from Carmen G. Feller of the Lady Grizz basketball team, Ethan Sant, also on the docket talking some high school hoops, Madison Hall. Also have Look into the Future NFL talk, all football all the time, the last edition of the season with Brooks Nuanas, all that coming tomorrow on Nuwanez Now ESPN Radio Missoula. Thanks for tuning in on Wednesday. We'll see you tomorrow, folks, on Western Montana Sports Leader.
0: Colter Nuwanez from ESPN Montana here at the M-Store